0: You are locked on sooners your daily podcast on the oklahoma sooners part of the locked on podcast network your team every
1: day
2: hey there everybody welcome to locked on sooners today's episode is brought to you by bet online Bet online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online is where the game starts. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my work covering the Sooners over at thesoonerswire.com. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, it's midweek. We've got some final things on Kansas State before we start looking at the Horned Frogs.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the Brent Venables press conference is really sort of the let's start turning the page, right? And and the final look back really for Brent Venables as well, who, John, he kind of had a lot of the same sort of thoughts that a lot of us have said or hoped or wished would be the way Oklahoma would approach this, which is pretty simply the, the best message of all is, look, this isn't who you were. This isn't who you're going to be. You had a bad night. It doesn't mean you have to wind up having a bad season.
1: Trust and have a respect for, again, what it takes to to play at a really high level. I said this before as well that uh, pressure, um, you know, exposes both the good and the bad. And, and, you know, we got to foundationally rely on, you know, how we do what we do and, again, the discipline that it takes to play at a high level. If that's discipline, not to uh, have a procedural issue or to a discipline to take the right angles to the football so we don't have a face mask or the discipline to execute a screen and go so we're not running into receivers all of those things lie at at my feet and certainly our, us as coaches and then the players have to take ownership and accountability I like the attitude how our guys responded yesterday uh, you know the toughness after again um, you know having a bad night and, uh, and that's what I what I told them is you know you know, it certainly was a bad night, and um, uh, for all of us. But uh, doesn't mean you have to have a, a bad year and a bad season.
2: That game film couldn't have been very much fun to watch if you're an Oklahoma senior player. Um, I'm sure the coaches did not enjoy watching it either. But he's—I think he's absolutely right on here. You know, you have a bad night; it's a bad game. It you know puts you behind the eight ball a little bit as far as the college football playoff goes but it doesn't mean that you can't still accomplish some things like you can still win the big 12 and you could still theoretically get into the college football playoff, depending on how the rest of the season goes. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's no room for error here. There's no margin. And I, and I think what he touched on there is just this idea that it it takes work to stay disciplined and execute stuff fundamentally
0: It does, and obviously they have to be much, much better in that category. I don't think anybody's breaking – I don't think Coach Vinables is breaking news there. I don't think we're breaking news there saying that Oklahoma has to be much more gap sound, much more disciplined, and ultimately they've just got to be a more physical football team. But, I mean, the proof is going to be in the pudding, right, as we you know start inching closer to now. Guess what? The season doesn't stop because you had a disappointing home loss to Kansas state. No, you, you keep on rolling, keep on going here in year one of Brent Venables. So you're going to be defined by whether or not you do. In fact, like plenty of other Oklahoma teams bounce back from this and again, make this just one weird fluky. I don't want to say fluky because that's disrespectful to Kansas state. I, you know, They went out and earned it, and Adrian Martinez was great in the game, but you get what I'm saying. One night that things just were off kilter, it wasn't really who Oklahoma is, and you wind up losing the football game, you're terrible defensively, right? Don't make one loss a bad season.
2: And I think he was right in what he said. um, I think it was after Saturday's game in that you're not defined by what goes well, and you're not necessarily always defined by what goes poorly, too. And that's kind of how I try to like live my life as well. Like try not to define people by their worst moments. You know, we're, we're not defined necessarily entirely by the things we do at our lowest moment. And so I think the Oklahoma Sooners are still trying to figure out their identity. They're trying to determine who they are as a football team in 2022 and a program down the road. They still got a lot of growing to do. It's still a young team. I mean, Billy Bowman's a sophomore, Danny Stutzman's a sophomore, Ethan Downs, a sophomore, uh, you're you're playing freshmen like Jaron Kanak, sorry Kanak. Uh, you, know, you do have some seniors on this team, guys that have been around quite a bit, Deshawn White and David Aguebu, Woody Washington, Justin Broyles. But for the most part, it's there's a lot of key pieces that are fairly young on this team. And while we've seen a lot of really good things out of those guys, they weren't there on Saturday. So, uh, but it, it just kind of all gets bottled up into this. You know, you had you had a bad night at the same time that Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn had a great night. And anytime time that that happens, it's recipe for disaster. Like you can have a bad night and still win a football game. Like I, I think back to like the Iowa State win last last year when Oklahoma's offense was not good. The defense was pretty good, but they still found a way to win that one kind of going away, even though it was kind of a close one at the end you know Oklahoma for the most part dominated that game that that's that's kind of the inverse of how it could work you where you have a bad day and still win
0: yeah i mean it can play out that way obviously uh, defensively just too many too many potholes for Oklahoma in this one versus Kansas state and you know
2: we lost Josh here for a second he's frozen cuz you know, the wonders of internet and technology. Um, but yeah, I I think what we're dealing with, with Oklahoma is just figuring out how to recover from bad football. And here's what Brent Venables had to say, just from what they saw at times.
1: I think our, you know, what, what I saw was guys afraid to make mistakes. Um, we played on our heels. Uh, we weren't physical at the point of attack. Um, we haven't been that way. Well, that's what I saw. I saw guys pressing, uh, trying to do a little bit too much. Uh, you know, I didn't think we played very well um, from a, a uh, uh, you know just having you know situational awareness. You know, didn't think that we did a great job of that. Uh, again, there's a level of anticipation when you know the situation. and I just didn't think we we put it all together for whatever reason um, we didn't do that. So uh, I don't know about rat poison um, uh, interesting you know term, but uh, you know handling success is a very difficult thing, you know for everybody. Uh, and you know I've always uh, taken tremendous pride in, in uh, being the anti. Uh, uh success patting everybody on the back and so we worked hard at, at that last week I'm not sure if whether or not that had anything to do with it or not I, I don't uh, that's not what I saw on the field I just saw you know bad football uh, at times
2: so you know there was a lot of concern and we actually had an episode about this last week was how would Oklahoma handle all of the success and all of the flowers being laid at their feet and you know, you like to think, and we had one of the, the the parents of one of the players kind of respond to um, just our our tweet, you know, promoting the show, just saying, "Oh, the players aren't even thinking about any of that." And um, you know, it, it 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 was not irrelevant to this this past Saturday. It seems like you know they were they were pressing as a team, and Venables mentioned they were afraid to make mistakes. When you're afraid to make mistakes, that means you're you're not locked into what you're trying to what you're uh, trying to accomplish as a unit, and you're playing tight. You know, when you're playing tight, you're you're just trying too hard. You know, you got to be able to play free and play instinctual within the scheme. Um, and perhaps this idea of them being so good the first three weeks and them being perfect and staying perfect, um, maybe it was too much at the time. You know, again for a team that has a lot of young pieces on it. And I, I don't want to go down the road of was a was a loss the best thing that could happen for this team because I, I it's never a good thing to lose. You touched on that the other night. But perhaps maybe it just kind of frees them up to get back to just playing football and not worrying about trying to make every perfect play.
0: You know, it's uh, just interesting to hear Brent Vittable's perspective on a lot of that. And I, you know, quite frankly, I like uh, him being candid there and, you know, not saying, I, I don't know. I mean, in some ways you could almost define it as a little bit of a cop-out, right, John? If you say, yeah, you know, I think we bought in a little bit too much to what the the press clipping said, or these guys got a little bit too comfortable with, uh, you know, all the nice things that were being said about them. I like that Brent Vittables just came out and said, you know what? It was just bad football is what I saw. I don't know that it had anything to do with, you know, what John and Josh were saying over at Locked On Sooners or what the YouTube commenters, all the nice things they had to say about Oklahoma over there on Locked On Sooners. Uh, You know, that's – I did wonder. You know, I'll be the first to admit. I mean, that's why we had that episode last week. I was curious how Oklahoma was going to handle being this program – like uh, a Georgia is a lot of the time here these last couple of years, or Bama is a lot of the time throughout uh, seems like season after season with Nick Saban where you're, you're lotted and everything out there in the sports atmosphere is positive about you. And I'll take Brent Venables at face value that, you know, to him, it's just bad football. Obviously though the return in that department for OU is did, did not handle that Well, last week, if that was in any way, shape or form a factor, probably I'm just going to side with the head football coach that John probably really wasn't much more of a factor other than, oh, you just didn't play well for whatever reason. And, And Kansas State played really well right against Oklahoma. Okay. With those clips out of the, out of the way, it's time to officially start turning our attention to TCU. The K State loss, right? It's in the history books now. There's there's no changing that. So let's break down TCU first. Let me tell you, this uh, episode brought to us by BetOnline.net. It's your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs, sports information as well. This season, find all of the latest football league. That's the National Football League developments matchups news podcast all of that including uh, this this week's games and more over there at betonline.net your continued source for all of your sports wagering information including of course live betting esports scores and more so head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action bet online that's where the game starts where better john to start our breakdown of TCU than just with the head football coach, right? I mean, Britt Venables, uh, he, he didn't really waste any time this week in his weekly press conference in jumping right in on the types of challenges that TCU presents.
1: Practice last night and um, looking forward to uh, going on the road to uh, TCU. Got a chance to play a really good TCU team uh, who's uh, had a great start to their season is uh, one of the top offenses in the country. Got the quarterback, Is leads the nation in pass, passing efficiencies at 77% completion percentage, eight touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Max Dugan's really playing well. Um, got a great um, offense up to this point in time in the season. They've done incredibly well. Uh, second in the country in yards per play at eight yards, uh, 8.1 yards a play, and And a bunch of seniors um, and juniors uh, on their their offense. They've done a great job at uh, systematically putting them in position to be successful. Uh, Defense uh, improved from what they've been and have a a coach uh, coordinating their defense that uh, had incredible success at Tulsa uh, systematically uh, as well. Got excellent players, Um, again, on both sides of the ball. Terrific skill. As good as skills, we'll see certainly better uh, than what we've seen up to this point in time at receiver. And uh, so got a, a great challenge for us. Our guys are anxious and eager to uh, improve and get better. And, and uh, you know, show that uh, last week um, um, wasn't really reflective and indicative of the of type of uh, performance that we're capable of. Uh, but at the end of the day, we've got to dust ourselves off, like I said before. And uh, we got to be more precise uh, in everything that we do. And to me, everything starts with discipline, you know, and discipline to have the mindset of, you know, doing all the little things that it takes, you know, over and over and over and over and over over until you can't get it wrong.
2: Over and over and over and over. Uh, It's interesting, you know, he does talk about TCU as being one of the better offenses in the country. And statistically that bears out. I mean, TCU is averaging a ton of points per game. You know, they've scored more than 38 in every single game. Uh, they have 3-0, beating Colorado Tar- Tarleton and SMU, uh, currently averaging 46.3 points per game, good for ninth in the country, allowing just 21.3 points per game on defense, good for 51st in the country. Um, so, Josh, you know, he talks about Duggan being one of the better quarterbacks in the country statistically through you know the first three games of the season. Um, you know, just a, a few little notes here from Pro Football Focus. Uh, He mentioned that they're averaging 8.1 yards per play. Max Dugan averaging 8.1 yards uh, per throw. Like every time he throws the ball down the field, average depth of target is at least 8.1 yards uh, per throw. Uh, He's been sacked seven times. um, Or was it eight times? Sorry. He's been sacked a few times. (laughs) Um, And. You know, he's, he's been good. He's been efficient. I mean, completing 77% of his passes. He's had four drops on the season. You look at adjusted completion percentage that allows you to take away the drops and a throw away and his adjusted completion percentage is 87.9%. Like you're taking away the plays that aren't on him and he's completing nearly 90% of his passes this season, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, Now looking just briefly at who he's played, you're talking about Colorado, who's arguably one of the worst teams in the country right now. Tarleton State, who nobody should be scheduling if you're a power five team. And SMU, you know, a crosstown rival, who it's it's been back and forth at times throughout the years. TCU generally has the upper hand in that matchup. Uh, but, you know, they went and they scored 42 points against the Mustangs. So, and SMU is a pretty solid group of five American Athletic Conference team. So a solid win for them. I still don't know what to make of TCU yet. He does, you know, Dugan does, you know, pose some problems as a runner. And as a passer. it looks like his passing has gotten better than what is in previous years. Um, you know, just looking real quickly, like he's never completed this high a percentage of his passes, you know, his career high coming into the season was 63.6%. That was last year. Um, on his, for his career, he's a 59.5, um, percent passer. So he's, either taken a big step up or the level of competition has been such that he's been able to just complete a high percentage of his throws.
0: I'm basically going to evaluate TCU, John, I think this week, solely through their performance against SMU. I know that we can look at all of the the different numbers for TCU. And, you know, I'll just say, let, let me also just say right off the top, Britt Vinables is correct obviously since uh you know the statistics say that uh tcu is the greatest offense of all time they are in fact the greatest offense of all time as we learned last week let's not say negative things about uh, our opponent before oklahoma plays said opponent but uh, obviously you know duggins and ex- jokes aside duggins experienced quarterback he's somebody that can you know both hurt you running the football with his uh his legs or you know throwing it he's you know you're Typical dual threat type quarterback. Now he's a little bit different from Adrian Martinez in that regard. He's not as explosive of a runner, but he's, he's definitely capable in that regard. I, you know, just again, looking at TCU through the lens of what happened versus SMU, Tanner Mordecai, obviously we're familiar with Tanner Mordecai as a quarterback started out at Oklahoma threw for 372 yards, a couple of touchdowns was intercepted a couple of times versus TCU. So just looking at that, I, I come away from that and say, okay, you can take your Tarleton State game and your Colorado game and let's forget about it. It probably this, you could probably have this same conversation, by the way, about Oklahoma and only judge Oklahoma off the Kansas State game, right? What, what I see from those numbers, though, is I see a defense for TCU that to me, Oklahoma ought to be able to go score points just the same way that uh, SMU did. And I see an offense in TCU that, uh, can put points on the board. So is going to have to be much, much better uh, defensively this week. And Quentin Johnston, I mean, I probably don't even really need to share a whole lot about him. I think everybody kind of knows what he is and who he is and what he brings to this offense. When Brent Venables says this is the best receivers that we've seen so far, I mean, really he's talking about – I mean, he could say collectively, but I think he's talking about Quentin Johnston.
2: What's interesting about TCU is they're throwing the ball to a ton of guys. Like Quentin Johnston doesn't even lead the team in receiving right now uh, through the first you know few weeks of the season. But they've got a bunch of guys who have gotten. Let's see that they've got six guys that have at least five receptions on the season. Nobody has more than eight receptions on the season. So they're spreading the ball around to a ton of people. Thirteen different players have caught passes uh, so far. Um, and again, it's been a, lot, been a lot of you know high efficiency stuff. Jordan Hudson, a guy who was an Oklahoma Seniors commit at one point in time. Now a TCU. He's caught seven passes for 102 yards and a touchdown. So it is a deep group. Like Quentin Johnson's numbers are kind of they look kind of marginal. Eight catches for 73 yards on 16 targets. So he's not really performing to the same level of what we come to expect. But don't get me wrong, like I still fear that dude. Like don't let him get a one-on-one situation where he can catch a 50-50 football like cuz he killed Oklahoma last year. What he was like 8 for 170 and three touchdowns. Like over 170 yards and three touchdowns. Like absolutely torched the Sooners last season. So fear him definitely. Kendre Miller, a very good running back, very talented player. Sat behind Zach Evans for the last couple of years, now getting an opportunity to lead the Horned Frogs and rushing, and he's doing a pretty solid job. Uh, I think he's got over 270 yards rushing two, three games on the season uh, and averaging over six yards per carry. He's got three touchdowns. Sorry, 250 yards, 6.6 yards per carry. He's forced 11 missed tackles, and he's had you know five runs of 15 yards or more, eight of 10 yards or more. So an explosive player in his own right, and if Oklahoma's not careful, could make some big plays in the running game for for the TCU Horned Frogs. So, this is this is an explosive offense that is going to definitely challenge the Oklahoma Sooners defense. And I like that they're getting this challenge right on the heels of having their worst game of the season because they they can't sleep on anybody after the way they performed. They can't think too highly of themselves after the way that they performed this past Saturday, and have to go in with their A game against TCU regardless of who they've played. This defense is going to have to step up and, and play much better. To slow down this team. We'll, well, go ahead, Josh. Do you have any more thoughts on that before we? Yeah, I,
0: I, I was just going to say, just real quickly, uh, in closing, and in addition to that, just what you said, man. I mean, look, the Tarleton State game, I agree with you, by the way. They should be thrown in jail for scheduling <laughs> that game. It's ridiculous. I'm sick of these games.
2: Straight to jail right it's, away.
0: Do not pass, go. Do not collect $200. Get out of here. But, uh, you know, it's the number nine offense all of the yards per play figures dug in everything we've talked about with them offensively. Yes. It's a legitimate challenge for Oklahoma and it is good that it comes on the heels of Kansas state, because look, we're going to have, we're going to have a pretty solid idea going down to the cotton bowl. I think about whether or not that was a potential blip on the radar versus Kansas state, or if man, sorry, Oklahoma fans, you got yanked back into a mirage once again, defensively.
2: Yeah. So, one thing that I I didn't mention is the the seven sacks. Like, he got sacked five times against SMU, twice against Tarleton. So, like, this offensive line can be had a little bit. And if we don't see Oklahoma's defensive line and the front seven uh, be able to get to Dugan and bring him down and collect a few sacks in this game, I think it will be cause for concern because they're showing that they've got some warts as an offensive line. Now his athleticism is going to make up for some of that, but you can only run so far. And like we mentioned earlier this week, he's not the same kind of runner that Adrian Martinez is. He's not going to be as difficult to bring down if you can get some hands on him. But again, he's playing great football. He's got a high completion percentage. TCU is looking really good offensively. They got a bunch of weapons that they can spread the ball around to. I'll be curious to see how this team responds. And it sounds like Oklahoma's offense should be able to start fast and have their way against TCU's defense. If the SMU game is any indication of what this TCU defense looks like at all. Uh, Coming up next, Oklahoma's got a a big prospect on the radar that's going to be making his commitment on Wednesday afternoon. So we'll touch on that real quickly before we go. But first, let me talk to you about LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the place to go for all of your hiring needs. These days, every potential new hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people, for your team faster and for free. Then add, you can go to LinkedIn, add your job, the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs, number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. If you haven't used LinkedIn, if you've ever been a part of hiring, it's hard to know what you're getting through the interview process but LinkedIn helps you out with their screening questions. So go check it out. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates. You want to talk to faster, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. All right, Josh, it's been a wonderful few months for the Oklahoma Sooners on the recruiting trail. They haven't gotten everybody that they've wanted. Jordan Ray just a few weeks ago, you know, ended up committing to Alabama after Oklahoma was heavily in that race. But Oklahoma's training in the right direction for five-star defensive lineman, the number one defensive lineman in the 2023 class, David Hicks, who will be making his commitment on Wednesday afternoon, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. You can watch it on ESPN, which that's big time. If you're on ESPN as a high school kid, that's pretty big time. So the Sooners heading in the right direction with that one as a huge element to their defensive front that already has some really high-quality prospects on it in – Colton Vasick, four-star player, Derek LeBanc, four-star player, and Adipoju Adabare, a five-star player. If the Sooners are able to land David Hicks, it would make their third five-star player in the 2023 recruiting class.
0: You got me there, John? Yep, I got you. Okay, so I think I froze up and, and went to uh, – I don't know, I got whisked away into outer space there for a little bit. So. Went to the
2: multiverse for a minute.
0: <laughs> that's right yeah so i'm i'm sorry about that yeah this would be i mean obviously a gigantic get for oklahoma probably we need to have expounded thoughts on this with uh hicks if it does come to fruition it sounds like feels like it's going to come to fruition for oklahoma just reading the tea leaves and honestly putting a lot of stock into what somebody like parker thune has uh, hinted at or had to say over the last, uh, you know, several weeks and months. So I feel good about it for Oklahoma, but man, just point blank for OU. I mean, Adebarre, Vosick, I mean, up and down. I mean, this recruiting class defensively is stacked up front, but just specifically David Hicks, man, this would be, I mean, to me – the missing link that Oklahoma's not been able to get committed and not been able to get signed for a long, long time that OU fans, man, have been pining for. They've been asking, where is David Hicks, man? Why can we not sign a five-star defensive lineman? Not one. I'm not asking every year, but are you kidding me? Not once a graduation cycle, not once in eight years, not once in a decade. It's Oklahoma, man, and, and it sounds like OU's about to – land that guy now so i just i don't think you can understate the importance of this i mean uh, or you can't overstate the importance of this it's gigantic for the soon as they've needed this type of talent and uh, sounds like feels like they're gonna get it john
2: Yep, and we'll have some reaction to that once the commitment drops. Whichever way it goes, we'll let you know our thoughts and our takes on that uh, tomorrow afternoon after David Hicks does commit. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in. Again, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Go over there, check it out, hit the subscribe button, and hit the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Drop a comment in the comment section. Drop a question as well. Let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about As we get ready for TCU, some of your concerns, your questions uh, heading into that game. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.